and welcome to Maximal Fire, the podcast for Princeps. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. And on today's episode, we're joined by Zach from Goonhammer. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Oh, lovely to have you, Zach. Thank you very much for taking the time. So, Zach has joined us today um, to uh, spend some time with us to go through the latest in the Graphonicus rules. So, as many of you are probably aware by now, the Legio which was present in the rulebook has undergone a few little changes uh, with the new Loyalist Legio's book. And uh, we figured it was probably about time that somebody jumped on that and um, we did a bit of a deep dive. So, Zach's going to be um here throughout the show we're going to be talking about that a bit later on um but before that you know we'll be touching on a bit of hobby news and um a few things that we're excited to see coming up in the future so i guess first off we've got a uh, battle bling's doing a painting competition our lovely sponsors go and check out battle bling for your awesome 3d printed uh, alternative weapons heads uh, have they done armor yet feels like they've almost done armor yeah well they've done the reaver shoulder pads that's it nameplates uh, brilliant service. Uh, but yeah, they're basically doing a painting competition, uh, which is, what's the hashtag, Alex? Hashtag bring out your battle bling. That's it. And uh, we're going to, uh, apparently we're going to, me and Alex are going to be judging it. So Alex, put in your warlord you just done with the plasmas on the shoulders and we'll split the reward 50-50. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll I'll vote for me and you vote for me as well. Yeah. Is that how this works? And I'll do the crusty line. Of, let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. <laughs> so yeah, um, the, this uh, painting competition by Battlebling is running all through May. All you have to do is submit your fully painted titans using the hashtag #BringOutYourBattleBling um, hashtag on Instagram. Uh, the only caveat is that you must have at least one piece of bling um, from the Battlebling store um, as part of that model. Um, and then when the month of May is up, myself and Ben will be sitting down with. Um, all of these submissions and deciding on a winner. Um, so there's, there's quite a few categories. Um, obviously, best painted is the main one. Um, there's first, second, and third prize for that. And then I believe there's also some other categories like um, best converted Titan. Most guns on the groin? Oh, no, you see, you've, you've, you've touched on our plans for the as-yet-to-be-decided <laughs> by Maximal Fire um, <laughs> category. It's just going to be, like, yeah, the most cannons attached to a, a warlord's groin as possible now more on that to come where we'll, we'll think of something sensible but i think what we're going to do with that is we're going to see what's coming in and see if we we find like a noticeable hole in, in what we're seeing which we think needs to be rewarded um or maybe it might just be that we see something which we think is completely unique and want to give that person a shout out and they keep some kudos we've also launched a patreon yeah, so we're obviously quite a few episodes into the podcast now, and um, we've been sort of thinking about the long-term future um, and our plans and the things that we would like to do in the direction that we'd like to take the pod. Um, there are certain things like uh, Twitch streams, um, live Q&As, things like that that we'd really like to do, um, but obviously with that, it, there is obviously a cost associated to all of that and the equipment that comes with it. So we thought if people would like to support the show and help with the continued running and development, um, we would offer a way for those people to um, to to contribute. And so we thought we would open up a Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash Maximal Fire. And, um, and people can back us from as little as £1 a month. We hope to, in the future, be able to then also branch out and run use the funds from that to perhaps run some, uh, some competitions. 
um, or offer our kind of higher tiered um, subscribers um, some bonus content. Um, but at the moment, it's a supporter level um, tier. But if, if you would like to contribute to the continued running of the show, we'd, we'd love to have you. Um, what we're going to do is every time we get a new subscriber, we'll make sure that um, they get a shout out on this podcast um, with the, the big thanks um, that obviously comes from us. So we launched this back on Thursday and we've now had um, our first two subscribers. So big, big thank you to John Horsham and um, Oliver Spry who have um, backed us at the Princeps Senioris tier. Big thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, and we can't wait to show you guys what we're going to be doing um, with what is coming into us. And appreciate this is coming out of people's hobby funds. So thank you very much for um, choosing us to to spend that for towards. Yes, thank you very much, guys. Okay, so Zach, hello. Hi. Sitting very patiently there while we waffle through the introduction I, to the podcast. Fine. Don't worry about it. It's all right. I'm here. You have me all evening. Yeah, that's good. Um, we so just a bit of background. We reached out to Zach. Um, probably quite. Oh, it was a few. It was a while ago, I think, originally. Um, just to sort of test the waters and see if there was, um, if we could kind of get Goonhammer and um, to come on and get and give their opinions. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Goonhammer is a website which um, which covers pretty much the length and breadth of everything that uh, Warhammer has to offer. Um, obviously, from our perspective, they offer a fantastic section of the website, uh, which is dedicated to Adeptus Titanicus. And Zach is one of the triad of members who actively contributes on a weekly, I believe, basis um, to to the running of that page. It's a, an amazing source of tactics, um, strategy. It's It's just... One of the best places on the internet for anything related to Warhammer. Thanks. I also just want to add in, actually, it's not just Warhammer we do. Um, it's sort of the majority, I think, at the moment. But we also cover a wide range of historical games, historical tabletop gaming, and board games, too. So not just... And a little bit sort of in uh, books and video games. So it's not just the Warhammer stuff. We actually cover quite a lot. We've, had, uh, we've been really fortunate to have many guys and gals help contribute. Yeah, I think I showed the Team Yankee stuff when I got back into Team Yankee. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys do a great job in the historicals. Mm. Obviously, aside from um, being one of the three main guys for Goonhammer on Adeptus Titanicus, tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us about how how did you get into AT, and um, sure. uh, what's, your, what's your background? Yeah, so um, hobby background-wise, I think it's the same story as many of us. Sort of, I started in my early teens, because a few of my friends were doing it, you know, 40k. Started a set, Battle from a Crag was my first set with Ultramarines. That was that was it back then. Uh, showing my maybe youthful age by comparison with some guys. Um, fourth edition being my first foray as like a 12-year-old uh, in 40k. What upsets me about that probably more than anything is me and Ben were working for Games Workshop when the Battle of McCrag <laughs> um, box set came out. Now, yeah, I've heard that a few times. And, um, <laughs> but that was sort of my first thing into it. I was into it for a few years. And then they sort of started shutting a lot of the shops. I was in the U.S. at the time, where I was uh, born and raised. Um, and it just sort of it fell out of favor, just for no particular reason. Just kind of stopped doing it for a while. Then when I moved over to the U.K. for university, in my second year, when I moved in with a few guys, one of the guys I was living with uh, was doing Warhammer. I said, oh, I, I could maybe get back into that. Let's try that. And here I am, like, six, seven years later, 
<laughs> with with far too much <laughs> Warhammer once again. Can you go back and tell like, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't do that. You'll have so much more money if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Um, I started working for the company then, working part-time while I was a student. And sort of Titanicus came out in one of my last years working in one of, in the, uh, in one of the shops here in the UK for that. And I just knew I needed to have it. I knew I'd never uh, have full-scale Titans. <laughs> so I really wanted to have miniature Titans, you know? If nothing else, I can own a few Warlords and Knights and stuff. So I got the Grandmaster Edition on pre-order on release, which was really, really cool. And been really big into it since. I think it's one of the best rule sets um, of anything, honestly, that I've played. And I've played a mm. bunch of games. Uh, it flows really, really well. It feels really cinematic. You know, when stuff dies, like in in the game that I had with you, Alex, just the other day, um, oh. <laughs> you know, charging into a, uh, one of your warlords with a reaver, and then that dying miraculously, great rolls, and then it falling back into another one of your own titans, then killing that one as well. It's beautiful. I thought we'd agreed that we weren't going to talk about that on the pod tonight. <laughs> we did, but it was just so great. You know, it was such a great moment. <laughs> Me and Ben have talked about this before. I think it's one of the um, the few games um, which GW has probably ever done where you get that kind of cinematic narrative mm-hmm. feel. I mean, we, we drew a comparison of it to Gothic, mm. um, which kind of had a very similar sort of, um, you know, when the uh, um, reactors used to go in, that it was a similar thing, you know, carnage right. across the table sort of thing. And you don't mind, like, you know, I... Yeah. I when we were playing last, wait, well, it was last night. Um, mm. uh, what we were playing, I didn't really mind that I just lost two of my fr- three warhounds, warlords. Yeah, warlords. Sorry, warlords. War yeah, yeah. Don't, don't downplay it. Don't downplay it. <laughs> three. Yeah, yeah. Um, through one combat because it was like, there was nothing I could do about it. It was. Mm. Just down to an element of luck, but then it was also hilarious at the same time. Yeah. And stories, it's generated a story, and it's something yeah. that I'll probably remember for years to come. It's great. I think that's the one that I get, this game, I've never really minded losing a game of it, you know, because something ridiculous had happened, you know, like one where something ridiculous happens every single game. That's just how it is, right? That's just what the game is with yeah. the dice rolls. Something ridiculous always. There's never a game where you go, cool, the machine spirit didn't awaken, you know, stuff didn't kill my own stuff, you know, every single game that happens. Um, so you don't really mind so much, I don't think. Sort of when it's not like playing like trying to play like a really competitive uh, other game where you get like really bitter and sour if you lose. It's like, oh, that was fun. That was still a good time. It's a good job because I've lost every game that I played. And I'm still playing it. <laughs> so, I've yet to get my first victory. The uh, talking about the rule set though, I I always think with uh, Titanicus they did a really good job of taking what was a kind of like an old school rule set really with the charts and tracking stuff. You know, tracking stuff kind of reminds me of uh, not quite as bad, but seeing like uh, BattleTech and there was a Star Trek game where you had all these big sheets. But whereas those were well, not so much BattleTech, but the Star Trek game was like rules upon rules upon rules. They managed to take like the old school concept but modernize it really smoothly. Mm. And bar like one or two things, which I think if I'm nitpicking, I wouldn't mind neatened up a little bit. It's pretty mm. much spot on first time. Um, yeah, but for yeah. a rule set where there's like only a couple of things where maybe you adjust. Yeah. That's amazing to me. That's that's fantastic game design, in my opinion. Uh, there's some points that adjust a lot, but that's a different story. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the rules themselves are really solid. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Good.
as like just getting back to it then um so starting out with Nicphonicus were my first Legio that I did. Uh partially because they were on the box and because they had rules in the rule book. So I thought, you know what? I'll do then. I always liked a bit of yellow. I, I've done Imperial Fists a few times, 40k and heresy. So like I like a little bit of yellow, you know? Um it's not as much on them, obviously. But there's a reason I did always did black templars, because I loved Imperial Fists, but uh black's a lot easier to paint. Yes, yeah, it's one reason why my 40k armies was Crimson Fists, because blue yeah. is easy to paint, <laughs> while still getting to be Imperial Fists, um, 100%. Yeah. So you said one of your earlier um, Legios was Griffonicus. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's more? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so across the years. It's, I mean, it's been out for, what, three years nearly, I guess, now, hasn't it? Yeah, almost. Uh, August, I think? Yes, August, somewhere around there, July, August, I think it came out. So we're getting up to three years. But since then, other Legios have grabbed my attention. I've actually uh, sort of redone Microphonicus because the earlier iterations of it, I've become a much better painter since. So I've sort of redone a, a new Graphonicus Legio um, most recently. But I got into doing Vulcanum because I really wanted to do a Traitor Legio. After doing the Loyalists, I wanted to do Traitor. Uh, they looked really easy to paint, because there's no stripes, and there's no checkering on them, which is great. Uh, they're just teal and black with gold trim. I was like, I can paint that. That's nice and easy. I like that a lot. Um, but then they also just play really differently. And same idea then for Mordaxes when they came out, because I saw their rules and said, they feel really nergly. I love Nurgle stuff. You know, they're slow and cumbersome. They can't push for movement. They can't push for turns. But they shrug off concussive and quake. I, I like that a lot. It feels really nerdly, so I really want to do that again. Also, purple and black with some gold trim, no checkers, no stripes. <laughs> you know, fantastic, easy. I'm going to jump in on that because, um, like me and Ben have not faced mud axis before, mm. but um, anybody who's listened to the podcast has kind of um, probably heard our opinions on it. Like we, we, we kind of. How how do they play like to, to actually sit down and play them? Because on the face of it, we kind of thought that there was yeah. you know, some challenges with their, with some of their rule sets. I mean, not not a first legio play definitely um, because you're missing because it, if it's the first legio you're doing, you're missing out on one of the core mechanics of do I push for movement on this warhound? And then you roll a double, then you watch it slowly kill itself across the game as it fails to vent heat. You know, that's just one of the core parts of the game, right? We've all had that happen. <laughs> the first... yeah. It's funny. The first of the time I pushed a Warhound, double heats, react yeah. on the orange, shields collapse, and the warlord right in front of it goes, <laughs> yep. boom. 100%. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Exactly. So I think you miss out a lot on sort of getting an idea of movement if you play them first. Um, but as like a second, or in my case, a third Legio, um, not that I'm recommending doing that many to begin with. At least six. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, just just follow, um, if you guys have ever seen Lee's stuff on Facebook, you just, yeah. you know, I always feel my collection's okay, because it's like one third smaller than his. So I'm like, it's, it's not it's not <laughs> ridiculous. It's fun. He's a great guy. We, we, we've chatted a bunch of times. But uh, it's like, I feel okay in having four Legios now, because like, I don't have eight or whatever he's working on <laughs> it's fine it's not the eight legios it's like the eight night households as well that's the bit where i'm like that's you've gone that's where you've gone too far <laughs> yeah night household the whole other thing i've got enough knights for a night household probably never gonna field it as, as a force it's not interesting to me but mordaxis anyway getting back to that real quick um quake 
sort of quake cannon is one of my favorite weapons in the game. It actually probably is my favorite weapon. I think it's massively underrated. And people sort of go, oh, Bellicosa is a better slap it on. You know, I think I think the Mori Quake Cannon is better than the Bellicosa. So like, Ooh, like I know, I know, I know. I've said this a bunch of times, and no, almost no one agrees with me. <laughs> but the Quake rule is so powerful. I think. I, I think it's really good on in an Extermis mana pool. I think that's yeah, really good yeah. in the Volcano. I don't. I. It definitely. I, I'm a is. plasma. I'm a plasma uh, Gatling guy in <laughs> Warlords. So. I think that's yeah. that's to me the best combo. That's that's the combo I like. You punch the hole, the melter, and then you the plasma. Sorry, and then you mm-hmm. aim to kill. It, it just works really, really well. But like, yeah. for for a for, further ranged back one, I think you know a more equate. Even then, I don't mind it. Like on the Warbringer, obviously the uh, Bellicosas have have gone up. Um, they're going on pre order soon. I think I guess yes. next week, right? Uh, supposedly, I mean, reportedly from Warhammer community, a resin upgrade kit. Which I think yeah. it's not surprising to anyone really. Um, disappointing oh, no. maybe to some, but not surprising. I think the most most people wanted it to be plastic to see if yeah. we would get a few alternative heads. Yeah. Also, it's the only other than the um, the Warhound, obviously, which is just you know you get the one. It's the one Warhound with all of the weapons. Mm-hmm. Every other one so far has had at least two different versions of it. You got two two yeah. different ver- Obviously, not the War Master. Two different Reaver boxes. Two different um, Warlord boxes. I think we'd hoped we'd get a second one for the Warbringer, but I can see yeah. why they've gone resin. Well, I would have loved a different sprue with like a Gatling yeah. and a Melta on it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been perfect because I'm a Gatling and Melta guy on anything Reaver Warbringer. You know, I love it. Um, it would have been nice, but it's what we are. I, I think I think this may may mean that the Warmasters extra weapons are going to be resin. I'm getting that feeling now. Mm. I mean, when they even come, yeah. Sorry, that, that that's that's future guessing. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming super. they're coming because <laughs> it'd be si- I think it'd be silly for them not to. But mm. as soon as all of the shoulder weapons were in the box, I immediately thought any extra weapons we're getting are going to be resin. And I think a core titan having a one of its main weapons in resin, one of its two main weapons in resin, yeah, I think is um, leading towards the war master. Because I don't think mm-hmm. will they sell enough kits to warrant another box? Really, hard to say. You know. I said this on a comment on Instagram earlier on today. Um, somebody said exactly the same thing. Like, I'm disappointed that it's it's resin. I wanted it to be plastic. And like, my response to him was like, I, I get where you're coming from, but if it means that they're taking the budget for a plastic kit and they're putting yeah. it into another new Titan, I would rather have that than having um, a second Warbringer. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have um, looked at it, but we did, uh, Gunhammer did a, a uh, interview I forget his name now. With one of the guys that designed the original version of the game, and I'm not sure. Oh, James Hewitt, is it? I, maybe yes. I forget. I, I really, I really should know this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> representing the site, part of that interview uh, we found out from him was that all of the Titans were originally going to be resin. They yeah. sort of came later on that they were going to be plastic instead, which is a huge thing to be able to say. The specialist game is going to be plastic instead, uh, from a company standpoint. So I'm happy that we have as much plastic as we do, <laughs> knowing that it was going to be resin. But I, I, I fully understand the disappointment in sort of having wanted different Warbringer heads and different Warbringer armor plates, maybe because like the Warlord second kit had like the beetlebacky kind of you know shoulder plate yeah. on the front, um, yeah. some sort of variants, or like instead of the AA guns, something else. The yeah. waters. 
Yeah. Maybe. I, I magnetized my AA guns and my two Warbringers. I think, you know, everyone... Just in case. Many people have, just in case. Yeah, they, they do nothing. Um, but who knows what might go there instead, right? I, I was wondering if it's future-proofing for Epic, potentially. Maybe, yeah, that's fair. You know, you know, you do it now just in case you add it in later. Future proof. Before strafing run was nerfed, it, um, which I guess we'll touch on anyway, stratagems in a bit. But before that was nerfed, uh, it would have been great just to have those shoot them out of the sky <laughs> for the AA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been that would have been cool. Strafing run was the bane of my Vulcanum, especially just free <laughs> shield stripping. This uh, this segues quite nicely. This this isn't the only new uh, release that we've kind of heard of recently in the recent weeks. Obviously, this is the main Titanicus one, um, but kind of related. Um, we heard last week that there's going to be another expansion to um, Aeronautica Imperialis, mm. which is going to offer some really cool um, prospects for terrain um, or you know up- upgrades to models. You know, plastic Thunderhawk gunships. Or, or actual counters for your strafing runs. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'm probably useful. Um, yeah, and obviously, yeah, so obviously Aeronautica's got uh, getting the Marines, and they're basically all heresy models, which is I'm not totally surprised, because Aeronautica's basically basically been four-drop models, not the GW models. Mm. Bar the Valkyrie, but obviously that starts as a four-drop model. Um, it's all been the four-drop. Like, Latau is... The Barracuda, not over their weird flyers in 40k, which I can never remember the name of. So um, it's not surprising, but it's very cool. Uh, I've already got plans for a Thunderhawk gunship train piece, as in a crashed one. Mm. Um, I'm kind of hoping they're two in a box. I've got a horrible feeling they're going to be one in a box because they look very big. They should be pretty big. I mean, everything so far has been scaled pretty well compared to like the 28 mil versions of it. Mm. The Thunderhawk model is like upended. It's almost as tall as a Reaver is. <laughs> yeah, sort of in person, you know, because obviously it's not perfectly to scale, uh, lore-wise, right? Because it couldn't be; things would be way bigger and far too expensive to ever own. Um, to be hilarious in some ways, but like if they're keeping the scale like that, it's going to be big, big ship. It's another yeah. one of those things which I think is going to just add even more um, to the narrative element of playing AT. If people are willing to kind of go that extra step, some of the best terrain that I've seen. On Adeptus Titanicus, people have modelled on their buildings like full-on firefights um, yeah. between um, traitors and loyalists. So cool, and it, it just looks incredible. And you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, like a um, a Thunderhawk on a landing pad or something, and like a model. I, I just think it's going to open up so many opportunities for some really cool stuff. And yeah. I just love, love, love how much effort the Adeptus Titanicus community goes to when it comes to basing their stuff, painting their stuff, converting their stuff, like oh, yeah. more than any yeah. other game system that I've played before. I've never seen the amount of love that goes into the models as what people spend on their Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Train's actually a subtle big one there because the big thing for that when I used to play Flames of War and it very much comes to Titanicus is people try to make the boards make sense mm-hmm. and that really helps with the immersion. You know, back yeah. when we used to play like four to get down the shop, it'd be like some ruins which probably weren't even at right angles. You know, the building wasn't even at right <laughs> angles, just this random scattered terrain, which was cool, was fun to play, but like playing Flames of War, it's like, no, it's a village, there's a road that goes into the village, you've got buildings that yeah. make sense, and then Titanicus does that as well, you know, you're fighting mm-hmm. on a city, you get the lovely map, there's so many companies doing maps with roads on, or make your own roads, and 
it feels like a city you're actually fighting over and that just yeah it just helps you buy in it, i mean i think it being like a five six model game really yeah lends itself to that you know you're not like buying up 40 50 space marines or orcs or whatever and going crap i need to paint all of these things you know you get like a preset manual box and you go cool that's it that's my force maybe you get other stuff if you want other stuff but you can just take your time on it more yeah. I think that helps people feel like they can just take their time on it more because it's like there's no pressure or rush existent or not just in your head <laughs> i felt that plenty of times in my head like crap i just need to get this stuff done because it's not painted yet um yeah. but having so few titans i think helps with that too the greatest lie that ben ever told me was come start playing adeptus titanicus alex you only need six models yep <laughs> oh yeah it's true you only need six need six no you're gonna want 30 i don't need six i need at least two of everything and when (laughs) and and that'll be the big stuff and then it'll be at least four of everything and 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 you've bought all that and you're still less than a 40k army yeah 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 it's a shame to see the um uh it looks like the precept manacle box set is being phased out now um, it does appear to be out of stock online. Yeah, on the GW website, it's no longer available. So, not grab, if you want, if you want, yeah. grab it. I've, I've I've got one just as a yeah, for my same. next Legio. Just just literally bought it. It's gone in a box. I think I took the data. I took the terminals out because I actually now like the new style terminals mm-hmm. because I magnetize them and stuff, and you know, and they're mm. they're a bit lighter. Uh, but. So I took those out, looked at it, this is really cool, and then it's in the cupboard. And whenever <laughs> I decide to either Metallica or Krytos, probably Krytos, because I feel I should do something rubbish after doing um, rules-wise. <laughs> awesome scheme, awesome fluff, rules-wise rubbish, gorgeous. I mean. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. You model. say rubbish. Gorgeous scheme. You say rubbish now, but there yeah. is a traitor book coming. Exactly. So, so I, I do them now, and then when they buff them in the traitor book, they become the best army. Well, I was on there from day one. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, I, I have it recorded that me doing me redoing microphonic is well documented on my Instagram. Okay, that I was redoing them before the book came out. Okay, just, <laughs> all right. I happened. Uh, I went back and said, you know what? I've got my two Trader Legios. Let's go back to Graphonicus. Let's go back to my roots. I now feel more comfortable painting. I can do stripes with masking tape. You know, I can make them look nicer. All that kind was of stuff. Was this on the Friday before the Loyalist book came out? <laughs> No, <laughs> it, it was like it was like a week. It was like a week before. I mean, it was a couple of weeks before, right? It was uh, there was some t- there was some time ahead. Yeah, you won out there. I I massively lost out because I <laughs> sold mine like a week before the they announced oh, the changes. Oh, no. So yeah, uh, I I can't I, I can't bring <laughs> myself to redo everything that I did before. But they've well, yeah, gone to our friend George, so I at least get to still see them. Uh, which is nice. Um, often when you send stuff away, sell it, you never see it again, and then you get that kind of hunger pang afterwards. But at least I'll have the opportunity to still to still see them and yeah. lose against them when play I play them. them. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but I think that they've been buffed, obviously, a little bit. There's no getting around that, right? Like They've seen buffs, definitely. But I don't think it's necessarily buffs that weren't... N- not needed. That's the wrong word. But like were nice to happen because I think especially the um if you want to start getting into it diving into the rules now a little bit. But uh you know Legio Venator, if you guys have looked at that much, they have the same rule yeah. for swapping in Reavers, but they could do it multiple times. 
And like when Legio Venator came out, I went, but Grafarnix can only do one, but they're the Legio with the most Reavers. What? You see, know, it wasn't well, a, wasn't an unexpected change to the no, rule, really, was it? Not at all. I mean, uh, Grafarnix being the first Legio, I mean, one of the first two anyway, obviously, um, but being one of the first ones for a while that were able to swap anything for anything, I think it made sense at the time. You know, yeah. just be able to be the one, nice and easy. The upgrade fits on the one that swapped in. It was cool, very thematic. I liked it a lot. Um, I still like that idea a lot, that sort of the Reavers are fitted with different upgrades depending on what role they're supposed to be doing. Uh, I mean, you still take one over the other anyway, I think, all the time. <laughs> Realistically, now, since you can. Yeah. Um, but uh, with the changes that have come, with all the other Legios that have come out since, I think it made a lot of sense to sort of give them a couple changes as well, which I'm really happy about. I think one of the big things is came obvious in the Loyalist book was the main Legios that got attention were obviously the Rubik Legio and the most of them were from Titan Death, the first book. Yeah, so clearly definitely. they were like probably like we were, they probably didn't want to just go nuts from the day one. Yeah. Let's do it slowly, and then they realised, well, actually, we can probably push a bit more than we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the same with like the talking about Kratos a second, like the Kratos rule, where you know, they can swap a warlord in one 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 mana pull, is it? into just the Myrmidon. They can take an yeah. extra one in the Myrmidon only. I mean, and I'm starting to play Honorum now, and Honorum have a similar sort of trait to that, where they can swap in something of equal to or bigger size, but only in the Axiom... I forget the other two now. Axiom and there's two other ones they can... But only three maniples, like only those three they're able to do it in, which isn't amazing. They're fun otherwise. I like them otherwise. I think you know, using what we've seen in the Loyalist book as kind of like a template for the traitor one, then I think we can probably expect to see some changes to Tempestus, probably Furians. Uh, mm. Tempestus, they just need to change their strap to make it actually worth even looking at. What? Combat <laughs> drop? People use that all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, he, gets a, he gets deep strike a Warhound that might just die anyway, that then can't activate in the same turn. What? That's amazing. What? It's that's amazing stress. Yeah, you might as well. You take it in every game. God. It is three points. I, I didn't even know how much it cost off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, God. I'll flank it. For some, for some reason, I had my head it was one point when I first, when I, when I first time I went, well, for one point, I guess it might be worth it. Were, oh no, it's three points. No, never, never, ever, ever. Just, just you've you've got three traits, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such a shame as well because that thematically is such a cool thing, super cool. But it's just done badly it's, at yeah, the it's, moment. It's not great. I think again, it just suffers from one of the first legios to exist. Yeah, you know the, the strats that existed at the time were like two pages. <laughs> you didn't yeah. have much to spend anyway. Um, so I think it was fine, but now compared to things that have come out, uh, especially to some Legios that have their own strats now, like Tritonis, oh my god, oh my god, Tritonis, yeah. what, what, <laughs> what the hell? It's cool, but like, oh my god, so good. <laughs> yeah. Our, our friend Oliver has uh, started doing Tritonis, he did that as part of our Clash of the Titans uh, challenge, yeah, the... Mm. Um... Is it oh, some pen- penumbral veil? Is it or something veil? Stig- Stygian veil. Yeah, Stygian veil. Yeah, Stygian yeah. Veil. So good. Yeah, it, it is. Unfortunately, bless him, and I know he'll be listening. Oliver, he knows. I'm sure he knows this. <laughs> he tends to put in positions which are really great for you to hide your own titans in. I mean, yeah, at least a concealment barrage are now limited to one only, as yeah. one of the big changes, which I missed at first too. I had to be told that. 
um, in one of the first games we played. I was like, oh, I just take that like three times. He said, you can only take it once now. I go, ooh, I, I missed that. Okay. But it's, it's, so, it's so many small changes um, to the stratagems. It's easy to overlook that kind of thing. But uh, at least you can no longer Stygian and Veil. I think it only costs two. So you can like buy that twice and take a concealment barrage. But you can still do that, but at least you can't do it once and then take three concealment barrages and go, haha. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We could probably talk about this all night. Um, mm-hmm. But um, too easily. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we, obviously, every time um, we, we do one of these, we stick out a request for our questions from, from you princeps out there. Um, and the one which is probably going to be uh, quite divisive, um, depending on your point of view. Uh, Richard Willis asked, "Are Acastus knights overpowered?" Go. Not as much as they used to be. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll agree with that definitely. Are they a fun thing to play against? Still, generally not, from my experience, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And that's not so much because of a cast. I think that's just sort of around how knights work in general. Sort of yeah. like if you're fielding multiple knights or any knights, almost. They sort of they don't take away from the game, but they act so differently that it's really hard to have something that's shooty as it should be. I think in a castus, but then not shooting too much. Almost it's the because uh, obviously knights have list skill four plus, which makes them not as good as titans for shooting. But then you can whack the castus on a split fire order, and usually split fire you can't turn, so there's a downside to it, right? Yeah, but. Not for knights, because knights don't make turns, which was addressed in the, um, in the charging, how knights charge, that was changed from the original concept of the game, you know, because technically knights could like go around things on their charge orders, now that has to be a straight line. But for like split fire, it doesn't matter. A castus can still sidestep, and so they face every direction all the time, with missiles that are rapid and barrage so they're just arcing over things hitting on three suddenly because of that order and they order on a three plus because it's a banner of one and that is the leader of the banner <laughs> or you're taking yeah. a banner of two you've killed the other one first because of course you have i think it comes um, down to like have you actually played using the acastas because when i looked at them i thought oh these don't actually look too bad and then i played with yeah. them and the moment i picked up those first dice i was just like oh Oh, actually, I kind of get why people might have a problem with with some of these. It's it's really easy, I think, to look at the new points cost and go, "Oh, that's really expensive for something that's still because it can be one shot." And you go, "It can be, but only by like a bellicose volcano cannon needing a five plus still. Like it needs to hit it. it needs to be able to see it too, and it's small." Yeah, the Meltican, but that needs to get in range, yeah. and usually the Reaver yeah. that's carrying the Meltican has died to the Acastus <laughs> trying to get into range because it outranges it so massively. I think that's I think that's the big thing. Uh, so the range I think should be reduced, I think, on the guns. And then I, I go between two things of either it needs to lose blast, because I think blast is the problem. But if you hit four times, getting eight strength eight hits on the same location. Eight shield saves too. Or eight shields, even eight shields. The, you amount, don't of, care. the amount of yeah. saves it can knock off is insane. I mean, it's got like what, uh, four, five, six missile shots. I forget how many it is, but also uh, rapid. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you basically, if you aims at a warlord, the warlord's shields are probably coming Gone. down. Unless yeah. you're, unless you're pushing your, you're pushing your reactor, which then 
being a warlord that with his weapons that could also be a problem so exactly. yeah. you're creating other problems down the line so i, I think the, the range is too far because i don't think it should be double the range of <laughs> most reaver and warhound weapons it is a knight after all mm-hmm. the bla- the blaster come back on i think the, me and uh, our friend george were talking about this when i played i, I used nicastus the other day practicing for a tournament and um I think either it should lose the paired rule, mm-hmm. because then I think two shots becoming four hits would, would and then again doing it twice would be less because obviously it can't aim, so you're probably spreading yeah. the damage around. And everyone who played Titanicus when it first came out, and we had warlords with just two volcano cannons, just I've uh, done some leg damage, done some body damage, and mm-hmm. you're still around. And I, you know, it, it does less. The eight potential yeah, yeah. hits to one location is where I think the most damage comes in. To be reduced the range and got rid of that, I think it might. And got rid of paired, I think it might be balanced. Maybe at two hundred points. Yeah, having the number of shots would would help. I think a lot. Yeah. Um, it, it's just too long range with too many shots. That's that's the only thing. Yeah, like uh, you can make it five hundred points almost, and with how small it is, it can just sit behind a building turn one and go, boop, yeah. kill a thing. On, on then, you know <laughs> exactly because yeah, you, you can. <laughs> Um, I think there's a couple sort of there's lots of ideas floating around what you can do to help fix them. Uh, I think at the moment I'm just avoiding them <laughs> in, yeah. in games, j- just at the moment anyway. I love the model, you know, it's it's my favorite chassis of night model wise. I lo- it's it's a huge chunky thing with giant guns. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I, I bought like two boxes when they came out because I didn't realize at the time what it was going to mean. Right? I thought, oh, I'll just get a few knights. These are really cool. I think I think it's quite stunning. I think it's the only model that I know of that GW's actually banned, basically soft banned from their own events. Yeah, the limitation. Yeah, I, I think it was with the FAQ that limited came out really quickly afterwards. So I think yeah. they already, I think they already kind of knew, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were aware of it, and they were like, it's just limited in a really similar way now. Um, at the only, and obviously, it was the only event that's happened since. Uh, yeah, Scott and I from Goonhammer, we went up together. Um, for that weekend, we were there for that. That was really, really good fun. Met a lot of like great people, which is really, really cool. But uh, yeah, Castus was. I think there's one guy that brought like six of Castus oh, and like how yeah. like the maximum he possibly could just to make a point. And there was very little terrain on the tables at the point at that point too. Yeah. Um, so there's just yeah, you, know, you forget about it. <laughs> he he posted up on Facebook with his list saying, "Oh, this be fine." And he, I think he was a bit surprised with the amount of hate he got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah let me yeah it's so i think yeah. to the question uh i think we're all agreed that yes <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> basically they're a bit too good for what they are even pro surf yeah. still a bit too good I, I i think i don't mind it so much in a night army because i think they need the firepower yeah. Night households are an entirely different subject, anyway. Yeah. yeah so speaking about Acastus from sort of a supporting battle groups, yeah, kind of perspective here. Um, in the night army, they they need <laughs> they need the range support. Um, yeah. But when it's cheaper than a warhound, that's where it feels a little bit off. Um, yeah. And as you say, yeah, the downside you can get one shotted, but cool. When it's uh, like especially the list I was trying out the other day, when I've got five reavers that are on top of you on turn two. Are you more worried about them that are potentially going to use their melters and gatlings to kill you? Or are you going to try and long shot the Acastus at the back of the table? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the, the next question that we had um, was from the Flying Fez. I love that name, by the way, um, for, on Instagram. Um, 
So what do you look for on the board or your opponent's Titans when you're deploying? So I think even before you get to deployment, something you get to do is look at your sort of opponent's force and choose your stratagems. And I think that sort of sort of goes back, you know, step zero to that question is picking your stratagems correctly. So building lists, um, I usually have like in mind that I want like one upgrade maybe as a stratagem, like overcharge cannon or experimental weapon or like the um, uh, redundant systems. I think that's what it's called, where you get to vent heat. We don't take heat on five pluses. I forget the name of it now, actually. But that one, I think it's some strats you sort of have in mind. But otherwise, it's going to change massively what you're playing up against. You know, if you're playing up against um, a load of warhounds, you're probably not taking that singular concealment barrage because, like, blocking off a small portion of the table isn't actually going to change it when all the opponent's warhounds can just go 12 inches through it and around it and just kind of ignore that it exists. Whereas if you're playing against an Extergamus, taking a concealment barrage and just removing one of those warlords from the game for a turn is huge. So I think that's step one, step zero even. And step one is sort of looking at the terrain of the table. You know, if, if it's your own table, then hopefully you have enough. If you don't, then grab a few cups, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we've all done that, especially earlier days. Um, if you don't have enough actual terrain, perfectly fine. It's better to play on a denser table, I think of made-up stuff than playing with the one or two pieces of training you might have built up and painted already. Because it's, it's a better experience if you have more line-of-sight blocking stuff. And you can blow up the terrain mid-game if you want to use those rules. Which, for the majority of the time, we do, because it's fun. Yeah, Kratos players pray that people do use those rules, so their rules actually do something. <laughs> exactly, so they can actually use their upgraded missiles that they spent points on. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But otherwise, like... So looking at the opponent's titans, I think you want to see, again, what they're bringing. If it's loads of really heavy titans, you probably don't want to deploy a banner of knights first, grouped up together somewhere, where they can go, okay, that's deployed there, now I'm going to deploy my Warbringer with a Bellicosa on its back looking right at him, so I can first fire turn one. You know, you don't want to be doing that. You want to sort of... Not counter-deploy them, but make sure you're deploying things in order that makes the most sense. Like, I usually put down Warhounds first, because they're the most maneuverable. Um, just generally. Because wherever they happen to be, wherever they need to get to, they can do that more easily. Whereas a Warlord, I think, needs to go down a little bit later, because it needs to be... If you haven't bought tracking gyros on it, they need to make sure something's in its corridor arc, or easy to get into the corridor arc. And if you're taking a Brawler Lord of all 24 inch range weapons, you have to make sure it can actually get into that range of something. Sort of preferably turn one or turn two at the latest. If not, maybe full striding turn one then. Um, that's what I do. Not too, too much thought. You don't have to sort of go, oh man, okay, he's put that Titan there. Now I need to put my Titan at this degree angle, you know, behind this building so I can do eight different things before getting that. It's, fun. it's not that. It's just making sure you're not putting down the really vulnerable targets before the big guns have gone down the other side. I think it's the biggest thing. And what about you? I pretty much agree with pretty much everything Zach just said. Uh, there, there's a couple of stratagems I always have in mind, especially I've mostly playing loyalists and thinking about loyalists recently, but like uh, if they're combat-based, I always love the long retreat if mm -hmm. I'm not playing Corsair, because it just means oh, yeah. you can backwards at your full movement in fact you can go it's better than a corsair manipul because it's your boosted full movement mm -hmm. uh, so you know, if your warlord awesome 
they're lead, lining up for a charge and you just move back six inches, well, that can mess up a whole two turns for them to have to re, re, uh, redeploy. Or even move sideways six inches, it can really mess them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, and then box blackout. Um, one thing that I guess I was kind of going to talk about, I don't know, we've kind of been skip section. So I actually thought I played against a Warmaster for the first time mm. this week. And I took a cons- uh, blind barrage on the idea being minus two on that is not great. I didn't actually use it because, if I'm honest, the game went really downhill for George very quickly when I killed oh. two Warhounds in two turns and had such an activation advantage that it was almost um, not fun, shall we say. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure they work in 1750, if I'm honest. I don't think it's... I know George said obviously he made some. He should have used concealment barrage to hide his turn one movement, and he didn't. He up he he played he played the stratagem to upgrade the war master to have it was it strength fifteen weapon. Jeez, oh, oh god! Um, I don't think you needed it. <laughs> you know, you, no, especially as I've only got reavers, so you're punching through me on twos. You you're yeah. critting on twos already. Yeah. It was like, yeah, you, I mean, I, I get, you know, I get the fun. And obviously he was doing it more for like a, for our, the tournament we're going to, we had to pick them before, you know, before the tournament anyway. So just in case for Warlords. But um, yeah, it's, it's stuff, stuff like that. Um, I like Blind Barrage. I think I always like to recommend Blind Barrage for newer players because I think there's a little less skill involved than there is with the Concealment Barrage. Mm-hmm. Because you just go, that Titans is minus two to hit. Done. You don't have to worry about placing a template and they might push past it because you haven't quite, yeah. you know, you haven't got the, quite the fools down. Concealment Barrage is probably better once you know what you're doing, but, mm-hmm. you know, and there's more uses for it. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I also sometimes I I like to I sort of like pairing off my titans as well a lot. So I like to think about when I'm looking at the train, can I get two reavers? So mm-hmm. I think me and Zach had a very brief conversation with how I set up my reavers. So I have the best pattern as as Zach would say in one with the Melter Gatling and then uh, and Vulcan Megabolter on top, paired up with one with a Melter with two lasers. The idea being that the laser one can I shoot the laser one first if their shields are weaker. So then the mm-hmm. shield bane can get through easier. And then, or if they've got full shields, the Vulcan Megabolter and Gatling hopefully brings those down, and then the lasers can aim fire to try and mm-hmm. um, finish them off easier. So um, with Warhounds in particular, I like to think, is there a way I can get them up close behind something, and then they can leap out together and target one Titan at the same time, because Warhounds do need that kind of help. But uh, yeah, with the opponent's forces, but I, the main thing I'm looking for is how many combat weapons they have, how many short range weapons they have. Do I want to get close or want to stay far away and then build stratagems and around that? And as Zach says, never put your knights out in the open. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. If someone can create cannon them on, before, on the foot before the first movement phase or during the first movement phase, they will. And then they do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just cannon out of the game almost at that point then. And as I said, it's amazing how far, how quickly a warhound can redeploy with a, even without pushing mm. the reactors, doing a um, full stride. Yeah, it could. Yeah, um, sixteen inches. Just, then it's insane on full stride without pushing. What if, um, in Warhammer Fantasy with my old fast cavalry, I used to put them out first, and I'd almost quite often put them out on the flank I wasn't deploying on mm-hmm. because I yeah. by the time the game got going, they would have redeployed, and if my opponent exactly. counted them. With slower stuff, then I'd gained gained a couple of units effectively. Exactly, yeah. 
conscious of time, we've had quite a few requests in this uh, this time round, and I yeah. don't think we're going to actually get chance to actually um, go through all of them, unfortunately. Um, so I think we've got time for probably one more before we move on to um, uh, our Legio Deep Dive on Graphonicus. So I'm going to go with um, a bit of an opinion piece, really. Uh, Death of a Rubricus said... Adeptus Titanicus is a lovely homage to the original. Uh, which of the classic Titan upgrades would you like to see the most, and which one is best left in the past? Uh, Committee Vortex missiles in the past until they redo the rules. <laughs> so I, I don't have much of an opinion because um, I, I was negative six years old when the uh, old AT came out, so I never I never played any of that. So I've honestly very I, I would like to see official rules for like. Reaver APOC arms because those look really cool on the old Reavers. That's what I've seen, that's what I'm aware of. And like, uh, one of my friends has been doing different, um, Warlord heads, he's been designing them, and Bowbling now sells them. And one of them is like the command head. And I like the idea of like a it's like so stupidly 40k, right? Mm. Of like a, a little decking where people can go out and walk onto to use binoculars. It's like you have all these advanced systems, but you want to do that. Sure, great. You know, it's just like it's one of the most forty k things to me. It makes zero sense. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so cool. That's just what it is. Um, so like stuff like that, like the command heads and uh, landing platforms that on Titans, that'd be really cool. It probably wasn't actually designed for that, but they probably forgot what it was actually originally designed for, and they went clearly this so we can stand out of our binoculars and obviously, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what they want. Yeah, I'm going I'm to be a bit um, confrontational here, and I, I actually think that personally, it's some of that sort of stuff that should be left in the past. Like, mo- no, but, but most. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. But <laughs> here's my reasoning. It's like you think of the game it is today, and I don't really see what that would really add to the game in its current state. Um, I I can see. Oh, that negative attitude, you. <laughs> well, no, no, don't <laughs> slap my hand. Um. Yeah, I think that some of the, the um, like I say, I'm not, not battle bling. Our sponsors sell them, and they look fantastic. Um, but me personally, um, I think that it, it's it's one of those things which, for me, it doesn't really have as much of a place in the game as some of the other upgrades and changes that we've seen. Um, I think some of the extra um, combat weapons that was out back in the time are probably the big ones that we're missing at the moment. Um, and I'd like to see some of the more chaosy, corrupted bits that there are. Mm. What was the, there was a, I know it was, I think it was a scratch built one, to be honest, but there was that Imperator Titan, wasn't there, which was made up as like Bane a Bane Lord. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, Alex, I thought you missed the obvious one here because pla- uh, Reavers used to get Plasma uh, Carapace. Well, that, yeah, Crucius. that is uh, an obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, plasma blast gun. Plasma blast guns on a um, um, on a reaver, and obviously with with my my Crucius, I've got the the plasma carapace weapons on my warlords as well. Um, yeah, I'd like to see some plasma on on warlords, but I think they would get a bit broken. A little too good, I think. Almost. Yeah. Can I just say, having now heard the phrase plasma blast guns on a reaver carapace, I'd actually don't want that because that would be horrendous. No. Because you just play a uh, Venator Manacle every <laughs> single game with one of those, and you go, cool, you're out of my front arc? This thing's 360 at straight yeah. 10 with two small blasts making free shots. Ha <laughs> 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 joke's on you. 
I don't. I think it was probably because my go-to Ferox Light Mana Pool Strength Eleven. <laughs> yeah, once you get close, stuff. yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Same size things anyway, or bigger. You know, you're not firing at Warhounds then because of scale. Well, no, but still, <laughs> still not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I guess the, the big thing for me is I can't remember it was actually a Wizard in the original t- Titanicus, but I, I want Buzzsaws for my Reavers because I think it would look cool, especially on Traitors. Rather than Chainfist having just two buzzsaw arms, very uh, Volper-esque. Yeah. Um, I think with Chainfist rules, there's nothing to go against. Just making it, you know, give him a couple big serrated pizza cutters. Go crazy. I I might have shared this about Sabine quite a few times. Every every opportunity you get, Ben. The the other one with that is, uh, slight tangible with it, uh, is actually for it to fit Reaver gun arms. So that your oh, titles, yeah. so the magnetization would go further than yeah, it's easier. having, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I've recommended that as well. So fingers crossed, if it happens, you can thank me later. If you're listening, Neil, okay, I'm going to send this to you. So you better be uh, serrated pizza cutter reaver arms. There you go. Make the <laughs> do that. Uh, the stuff I don't want. Uh, I'm I'm, pro- I'm probably going to get the hate for this. I hate the Bane Lord. I hate tail <laughs> weapons. I think it looks stupid. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever... I, mean, it's, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. But I, I won't be doing one. I, a tail weapon, it just looks... It, I always feel it looks silly because it was like this massive tail coming over the back of an Imperator. It's like, why? It's got freaking shoulders of guns on. Just put another gun on there. Just it, why? It's, it's one of those, it is one of those very 80s things, isn't it? It's the cock yeah. gun would be better. Sorry, groin gun. <laughs> it makes more sense. There's no massive tail to make it work. Well, interesting. And you know my feelings of the groin cannon. I'll let you know how many <laughs> unfollows we get on Instagram um, <laughs> after this one goes out. Just for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- thank you to everybody who submitted um, the questions. I- I'm sorry to those of you who we didn't get round to. We'll hopefully try and address a few more of them in future episodes. But unfortunately, our time is is limited. Um, we could, and we t- like to talk. Yeah, we could. Yeah. we could talk about this all <laughs> night. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think you guys would want to listen to a four hour podcast. Um, if you do, let us know in the comments section. Blah 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> so I think what we're going to do now is we're going to take a very very short break, and um, after this, we will be coming back and we will be focusing on Griffonicus. So stay with us. Welcome back, guys. So now we're going to go into our big deep dive into uh, Legio Griffonicus, because as we've said earlier, they've had the, the biggest changes probably of all the Legios um, in the Loyalist book, and it has definitely changed probably the way you take the Force. So, um, Peaky, if you want to start us off with the the rules? Yeah, so, I mean, like like we said, some of, some of these will be quite familiar to a lot of people who've been playing since 2018, but we, we figured we'd actually sit down and go through them all again, um, mostly so people actually know how they're now working, but also if you are new to the game, um, you, you can you can come in straight away knowing that this is how they work now. 
Um, th these are ultimately the changes which have happened. There's There's been some great updates to Graphonicus. I'm super miffed that I've sold mine now. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the rules. Um, Zach, who is our expert for the day, um, is going to tell us as well a little bit about how he plays them and um, some of the maniple choices that he uses. So um, we'll go through uh, the first one. So the first one uh, is their Legio trait, Lust for Glory. So the Princeps of Legio Graphonicus are known far and wide for their martial tradition and their eternal hunt for prestige and battle, often engaging in honour duels far away from the fields of battle. So, after both sides are deployed, one or more Legio Graphonicus Titans can declare an enemy Titan as a target. Each Legio Graphonicus Titan may select a target, though a Titan may not select a previously chosen target. Make a note of which Titans are, declared, uh, are declaring a target and their intended target, sharing this with your opponent. If a Titan attacks its intended target, the controlling player can reroll all hits of one and add one to the result of any armor rolls made as part of an attack against the target. However, if a friendly Legio Graphonicus Titan attacks a target claimed by a different friendly Titan, the claim is forfeit and this rule no longer applies for the Titan. So we've, we've said um, from the very beginning, rerolls are quite hard to get, or rather they're mm. uncommon to get mm. in... Um, um at so a couple of opportunities here to get them so i think the big thing with this is easily immediately it reads off as this is good for big titans you know this is really good with warlords because they've got shoulder guns which can strip shields and then two big arm guns which can go in re-rolling ones and then also getting the plus one armor makes macro gatling especially a bit more deadly but also means that sun fury is doing that much more damage once it gets through which is really really good and the re-rolls, hit-rolls, one obviously helps sort of strip the shields to begin with. You know, your 12-shot uh, Gatling blasters <laughs> hitting on threes, hopefully, re-rolling the ones, really, really useful. The, the downside to this is then you're not uh, forming against one target. You're not combining your fire against one target, which is how you kill Titans, generally speaking. You kill Titans by having two or three things shoot at the same target in the same turn to strip its shields, do the damage, and get the kill. Yeah. Um, this also means that Warhounds aren't really great for Gryphonicus. Uh I mean, they can be kind of funny. I have used them effectively on their own as like little singleton Warhounds, um, which can be really, really funny, actually, especially in the Ferox. Sort of like uh, Gryphonicus Warhounds charging it within the Ferox at their intended target can be hysterical because like effective strength nine hits, hitting on threes, re-rolling ones, that can be really good. Um, it's hard to line up. <laughs> it's not easy to get done. Uh, for Reavers, this works really well with melee weapons especially. I like melee weapons on my Reavers for Gaphonicus, just because Reavers kind of struggle to strip shields on their own, just by a little bit. Even with like a Gatling Blaster and a Vulcan Mega Bolter or like an APOC Launcher and Gatling Blaster, it's still usually not quite enough, especially against big guys. But if you have a melee weapon, you don't care about shields. You just punch under it anyway, and suddenly your chain fist is hitting on twos, re-rolling, so it's re reliable, and it's mm. effective strength nine, not just strength eight. So it can actually, with the rending, you're like almost guaranteeing yourself crits if you get sixes. So it's uh, as deadly. I found out last night, as you found out really quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, power fists um, within the Ferox manifold, so you're still hitting on twos that way at least. Also, really, really deadly, even with less attacks than chain fist. You're hitting like in the Ferox. You're hitting at an effective strength eleven, 
which is really, really good. It's almost a Bellicosa cannon. You know, it's 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 a melta cannon on D sixes within melee. It's can be really, really deadly. And you have to remember as well, I guess, when reading this, this is only other Titans, other Griffonicus Titans. Other Griffonicus Titans, yeah, which is a big change because it used to be any friendly Titans. Now it's only Griffonicus Titans. So uh, originally, the big part of this is that knights can help strip shields. So, as we talked about, Acastus get a stupid amount of firepower, so they're really, really good at helping Kephonicus get through the shields to begin with, because they don't take away that claim. That, uh, yeah, the, the, the lack of a better word, a claim target. But, like, um, even Questorus I've used effectively previously with, like, rapid-fire battle cannons and missile pods, because they chuck out a surprising amount of shots then, too, to help strip shields. But now, it's only Griffonicus Titans that remove that. So when I first read this, my initial thought was, maybe I should just paint up a couple of Protagius Warhounds to help uh, strip shields. And I was like, yeah, but I'm giving up two stratagem points then, you know? And then immediately after, like, within a split second of that, I realized, I don't have to take Titans of Allegio when I'm taking support Titans. They could be unaligned. Yeah. So you can just take a couple of Warhounds or whatever you want unaligned, not giving away stratagem points, and being able to strip shields for your uh, Griffonicus Titans. I don't recommend doing that. It feels a bit gamey, having like a Warhound with two Mega Bolters just running around next to a Warlord going pew 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 um, for it. That feels a bit yeah, who much. who do that, Peaky? Yeah. who do that? <laughs> so, I don't recommend doing that, but as written, you 100% can. Which is a hell of a thing. I think maybe it was intended to sort of be like, if you have other Titans, at least you're giving away stratagem points for doing that. But you don't have to. This is really a trait which you build your force around. Because like you yeah. say, like in the wrong situation, you're just going to be dividing up your shots amongst different mm -hmm. Titans. You're going to be just chipping away at things rather than focusing stuff down. Exactly. It's, it's, it's one of those kind of traits which... Um, you, you have to build around to make the most. You really do, yeah. Like, this is not a trait where you're taking a backfield warlord with two more equate cans and apocalypse launchers. You're not taking that on Grafonicus. You're just not, because you're not going to be able to kill your target with that many blast weapons. You know, get through the shields probably with the Apox, but you're not actually reliably hitting the same location. It's not something you want to be doing. No. But... It's really, really cool. Really, really fluffy for them. I like it a lot. It is very powerful when you line it up correctly. But it's not easy to do. I think the biggest buff um, to Griffonicus is is with the next trait. Um, mm -hmm. So then the next Legio trait is the mainstay of the Titan Legion. So Legio Griffonicus counts a disproportionately large number of Reaver Battle Titans amongst its, among its ranks. As a result, they are often outfitted for unusual battlefield roles and included in maniples in place of different classes of Titan. Any Legio Griffonicus maniple can select a Reaver Titan in place of any Warlord or Warhound Titan as part of its mandatory or optional components. Now, this is a big change from how it was originally written huge. in the original book, which was one. Yeah, huge. And um, as we were talking sort of before the show, I think this is... Not an, it's, it's a needed change, considering other Legios that have come out since, especially Legio Venator, which has a very, very similar mechanic, where they swap out war, uh, basically anything for a Reaver Titan, 
similar to this. Um, it's it's nice that the Legio that has the most Reavers can field a load of Reavers, and it's really, really cool. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I think before when I was thinking of running um, Graphonicus, when you could swap out one, like the one that I was thinking of was the the um, uh, Venetomanipal with the mm-hmm. um, so I'd have two Reavers and three Warhounds to try and yeah. you've got that extra Reaver to proc. I mean, you would never now take you know all Reavers and no um, Warhounds in that list, but it, no, <laughs> there's, <no. laughs> yeah. there's other options out there like uh, the one which we've kind of talked about, the Ferox now, which yeah. is, is often a mix of Warhounds and and Reavers. Now mm-hmm. it's very punchy extraordinarily punchy yeah it makes power fists which i think just look more loyalist as a melee weapon too um it makes them actually hit on twos then when they get close because only have a plus one to hit on them so you yeah. usually hit them on threes with a reaver so actually being able to hit as reliably as a chain fist is really nice one less dice still you know so not quite as punchy as a chain fist in that regard do be careful the double power fist reaver where you punch him out of range before the second one gets to attack yeah, and concussive can absolutely suck as well. <laughs> if you're not if you're not killing one that charge, because um, even on oval bases, if you rotate him and you're in the wrong position, you just cause a collision into yourself. Which, if that's a warlord, you just cause d6 strength 10 hits on yourself for attempting to punch it. <laughs> Congrats. The I, I guess one one of the big things for this one though is, is to be careful you don't swap too many. Almost, I've I have. I had a conversation with someone who wanted to do a Venator uh, like Manipal with three Reavers. Mm. I said, I think that's probably getting too many because then you're taking away what the yeah. actual Manipal does. I understand, sort of, that's why not to interrupt. I understand, sort of, the um, the want to do a Venator with multiple Reavers so you can get those free mm. shots off here and there more likely. But then you're just taking away from your lust for, lust for, uh, lust for glory trait. You're not making use of that at all anymore. Because you are, yeah. you know, combining your fire at things. So I'm not, I don't like the Venator Maniple. And I'll, a lot of Gafronicus players will like it because you can get sort of the multiple shot, not multiple shots, but multiple choices with your free shot with your Reavers then. But I just don't think it's the best use for it because then you're just ignoring almost your main trait. Do you try to use a lot of Lustful Gore then? Because I must admit, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Gafronicus is a lead I've not had much experience against or seen. Mm-hmm. But most experience I have seen is where the players very quickly lose Lust for Glory. Like they might get it for like the first shot from one Titan, then they bring another Titan in to shoot the same Titan. Yeah, so I, I build sort of so that I'm definitely using it as much as possible. Um, so generally speaking, I'll take a standard Brawler Warlord, or two if I'm taking multiple Warlords, but generally just the one standard Brawler Warlord, which is the paired the Gatling Cannons up top, Macro Gatling Cannon and Sun Fury Cannon. And I find that generally, with the rerolls, that can semi-reliably remove a Warhound or a Reaver if it's its target in the one go, in the one activation. Depending on rolls, obviously, you know, rolls can go badly, and shield saves can go extraordinarily well sometimes. That's the game. It's a dice <laughs> game. That's, that's how it is, right? Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, like a Warlord brought to bear on its poor Reaver target, if it's in the open for whatever reason especially. Um, it can just remove it. And then after it's killed its target, it's free to sort of shoot other things. That's how my mind works behind it. But that's also why I build 
my reavers with melee weapons on them because you're reliably getting to get to your chosen target then. You know, you're not relying on shield stripping anymore, which is the, one of the hardest things to do. That's why you need to combine your fire, I think, on things for the most part, is shield stripping. So because you're not having to worry about that anymore, you can just gun straight for your chosen target, punch the crap out of it <laughs> pretty effectively, very effectively, um, and then punch other things later on if it dying didn't kill you with it. <laughs> Another obvious mana pool, I say obvious, another mana pool which springs to mind for me as something which you could kind of replace would be the Extergamus uh, mana pool. Oh, yeah. So I think the Extergamus and the Ferox are the two obvious ones here because it's a trait that works well on Reavers in two very different ways. Um, sort of the Extergamus obviously being a bit more shooty. So you're not really maybe aiming to take the melee weapons as often because you can't use the Extergamus trait on melee weapons for the plus two strength. That being said, maybe you are doing it anyway, aiming to get within two inches of shields, and then popping a strength 13 melter in their face, following up with a chain fist in whatever location it hit. Because that can be actually very, very effective. Um, but I think it's but I think sort of in the Extergamus, you're not replacing all the Titans. Like I think in the Ferox. You don't want any Warhounds anymore. Not for Grafonicus. Not really. Whereas the Extergamus, I think you still want one Warlord at least. Maybe two, but at least still one. And because of the makeup of it and the fact that you can only replace a Warlord or a Warhound, if you were taking a full Extergamus, you'd still have to take a Warbringer. You couldn't swap that Warbringer out for another Reaver. Yeah, but I think points-wise, you have to be playing a pretty big game. Because generally speaking, with the um, upgrades we'll get to in a second, obviously, with Legio upgrades, my Reavers come in usually between like 330, 340 points each. They're expensive guys, you know? And the Warlord being somewhere around 500, you're not really getting... Like 1750, you're probably not getting a full mana pool at that point. With three Reavers and Warlord, and then also a Warbringer. Maybe. Let's be honest here, the one you're looking for is you want a Reaver weapon with the Firestorm traits, so you can run an Ignis Light Mana Pool. <laughs> if only they existed. Of course. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just having a quick look at... Sorry, I was going to say, I was having a quick look for the other Mana Pools. The problem is a lot of Mana Pools are very precise in, like, you know, the Warlord in yeah. this Mana Pool do this, the Reavers, oh, sorry, yeah. the Warhounds in the Mana Pool do this. Which then does nothing for it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, if you have reavers and they don't, they don't fit into that, they don't do anything. Of course, uh, Fortis Battle Mana Pool. Yes, I mean, that could be a that could be quite a nasty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's something that's sort of toyed around with. Also, um, again, melee reavers, but have them sort of running down the field in pairs. You're not really making use of the stand still and take less damage part at that point, but you are taking advantage of sharing shields. Because yeah. getting Reavers to share shields down the table together, huge. I do that a lot with Vulcanum, because I just can anyway, sort of in any maniple then. But with Grafonicus doing that in a Fortis, very, very good. Uh, doing that probably like with the uh, sh- sorry, Shield Bastion uh, yes. the upgrade as well. Yeah, a Shield Bastion, uh, Bastion Shielding, rather, for Bastion 10 points, good. extraordinarily good, because then you're sharing shields, keeping a 3-up save more often. The only issue you run into, I mean, that sounds great theory-wise, but then getting to an actual table, having a table where you're able to fit two Reavers side-by-side side down the board together without terrain getting in the way is almost unrealistic. Or if it is, you need some more terrain on your table. <laughs> Just do what you told us. Just play all your games with Warhammer World and you'll be fine. 
Exactly. Yeah, just have like three pieces on the table, and uh, yeah, good to go. Um, <laughs> I, I love Warhammer World. Really, guys, I just you know, oh, I understand do, yeah. the limitation. Yeah, it's just a exactly. Joke. It's fine. <laughs> um, but like at, at home, if you're playing at home, you're playing like at the club or something. You want to make sure you have enough terrain where you're not having any two titans, except for maybe warhounds, able to walk holding hands down the table because that's just way too much of a clear space anyway yeah, not just yeah. for that reason but just generally speaking that's not quite enough terrain i don't think for a game of titanicus um but actually one funny maniple that i've thought of with this too is the janissary maniple which funny is the i was just looking at that yeah, i was gonna bring that one up very, I, I had to look up what it did again because no one <laughs> ever runs this maniple because it's not a very good maniple sadly because you get the extra activation with the knights so if anyone that doesn't know what it is generally it's one to two reavers and two to three warhounds i got that right yes yeah one to two reavers and so you have to take one reaver into warhounds base and you can take one of each extra if you want to and then what it does, and it affects knights, but there's no knights in this maniple. It's different. Which means with the new battle group rules, you can only get two banners of knights along with this then also, if this is the only maniple, the way that works now. So what it does is in the movement phase only, not in the combat phase, right after one of your uh, titans is activated, then a knight banner within six inches can also activate. Which is cool, except movement phase activations is when he went more, not less, usually. Yeah. However, something that I think will be really fun with this, when you have three Reavers, again, each with a melee weapon, suddenly, instead of a couple of Warhounds, which is a bit awkward, you've got three Reavers with melee weapons wanting to go on charge orders next to some Lancers at Achipros, also wanting to be on charge orders, getting to do two charges back-to-back, Sort of hitting, hitting really, really punchy with the big chain fist, power fist from the uh, Titan, and then following up, if that didn't kill it, following it up for almost a guaranteed kill with the Order with the Knights. Really, really powerful. It's funny enough, just looking at this, I because I'm thinking next Legios, Metallica <laughs> with this, I think could be, could I, you know, I was immediately thinking Metallica, I, I don't know if I'm overthinking this, so there'd be just too many movement shenanigans. The issue then is that you just, you don't really usually want less movement yeah. activations that's the problem yeah, with the that's, that's the thing like you yeah. want less shooting activations because you want things to go back to back like metallica can do in the shooting phase and combat phase rather um but in the movement phase you kind of want to do is le- the least amount you have to to make them move at you first it's kind of the negative of the uh what's it anti-titan infantry you know, it, it gives mm. you extra activation in the phase that you don't necessarily want it. I yeah. still think they're quite good and they're quite fun, and I love having my little eight mil men running around the table. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> they killed a warhound. I killed a warhound with them. They can be great. They're useful for shipping shields. So going back, yeah. so I mean, we'll get to sort of stratagems for Grafonicus in a bit. That's one that I think you consider with Grafonicus pretty often. Um, so there's one more maniple that I really like with Kafanicus, not even now, just previously too, when you could do just one Reaper, is the Dominus maniple. Because again, you get, uh, you can make it a cheaper maniple. I mean, one Warlord, two Reavers is something you want anyway, to be honest with Kafanicus, so it wasn't bad in that way. But if you wanted to make it a cheaper maniple of three Reavers, you can. Or if you wanted to flush it out for a much bigger game, you could do like one Warlord and four Reavers. But yeah, you could go up to four Reavers. <laughs> you can make it really big instead of taking Warhounds. But with the Knights then causing negatives to hit against the Warlords, uh, Warlord Reavers, 
and it also being the pass off shots onto them just makes getting into melee range even much easier. It's not an amazing maniple because you can just kill knights with plasma blast guns and melted cannons, right? Like, you, you just can. Um, and in that maniple, the knights are no longer able to use obscured. Like they, they never count as obscured for shots, so they're always getting hit on threes within line of sight. You still need to see them, of course, but they're, still, they're always getting hit on threes then, which is not amazing. But any less shots going into your titans when they're trying to get into melee range is good. That's always a good thing. That that might be where the uh, lancers could be quite good, especially if um, yeah. you're blocking like shield stripping, as examples. So the shield stripping weapons oh, against yeah. the lancer. They're laughing at two, so I'm most of them bouncing them off. Yeah, you got like two up saves with a decent sized banner. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's really really good. Um, so that's really really good. But yeah. that, that was actually the one I was looking for when I found the genissary. When you said mentioned the, <laughs> the genissary, yeah, genissary. Uh, yeah, a, a fun maniple for them. Still not great, I don't think, but you can have a lot of fun with it. It's got a great name. It does it's cool. <laughs> So I think we've pretty much covered a, a good cross-section of the maniples there. There's actually a question yeah, which came in from, yeah. Um, yeah, from, Trent, uh, from Trenton Sample asked, asked that question about how um, which, which um, work well. But if you, were, if you were picking one, or let's say, like, what are your top twos? I think I know the answer to this, but like, if you were new to Gryphonicus, where would you be starting? If you're new to Gryphonicus, Ferox is simple. I mean, the Ferox is a good maniple for every single legion, right? There's not a single legio, really, that except for Aldax, who can't use it, right? <laughs> <laughs> except for Aldax, who can't use it at all. Um, yeah. There's not really a legio that can't make use of the Ferox. It's very solid. It's really good for learning, especially, because yeah. if you get too close by accident, you're not hitting much worse suddenly. And it's, it uses Titans to come in the starter set too, which is also really simple. So if you started with the starter set, you have the right Titans already also. So it's, it's good in a lot of ways, for beginners especially. Um, but when you have more Reavers in it, it's just really, really good. <laughs> getting, getting the plus one armor, getting to use your Ballista skill within two inches. So you're making called shots with Gatling cannons on threes within two inches. That's really, really good. But then the other one uh, is the Extergamus. Being able yeah. to get plus two strength for a little bit of heat. But Reaver Reactors, they're only one pip shorter on the reactor than the Warlord. They're missing one orange pip compared to a Warlord, which is fine. You don't want extra orange pips. <laughs> um, also, Reavers uh, tend, don't tend to have any weapons which dr have the draining trait. Exactly. Yeah, you can shield Bane. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can shield Bane, obviously, if you want to. But like making a melted cannon strength thirteen, just yeah, sort of guaranteeing that critical hit is really really nice. When you then not having many guns probably going into the same target, you're not really doing it with many others. But I think it makes laser blasters suddenly a lot more interesting. I'm not a huge fan of lasers in general, um, just because I don't like the minus one hit long range, especially. They look so cool though. They they do look really cool, but I think in the Extergamus, one point of heat yeah. for three shot strength ten. That's suddenly a lot more interesting than tr yeah. three shots strength eight. You know, it's suddenly yeah. a lot, lot more interesting. So I like that a lot for them. The two heat for like the Gatlings, you're not really doing much, but like melted lasers, amazing. Something I got into with uh, Flames of War is like looking where the strength, where where that strength bubble is, where you go from being a mere weapon to being good. Mm -hmm. And it generally is, a, it's, a, it's generally a sharp cliff. Yeah, and it is definitely eight to ten. There's a big mm -hmm. J. I'm not. I still never made up my mind whether nine, what side nine is on. Whether nine is the, that's the strength you want, or nine's just not quite good enough. It's right in the middle. 
<laughs> it probably it depends is. Depends what you're hitting. Like strength yeah. nine can't crit a warlord, but it can crit a reaver or a warhound. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's sort of where it lies. Um, so quakes are weird for being strength nine, but strength tens are good. And, and the last one, have you thought about swapping your reavers to the corsair manable? Oh yeah, always. Yeah, reaver for a reaver. <laughs> yeah, you say that. I mean, it, it, that. That's a nice segue onto the upgrades. Because Sarah used to be a terrible option for Grafonicus because you never got the upgrades, but now you can just have the upgrades. Um, so I think the Corsair is actually something that you consider suddenly again. Yeah. It always seemed weird that the the, the Reaver Manipul was rubbish yep. in the Reaver Legio. Yep, I hated that. I, I ran it anyway a couple times just because I wanted to field five Reavers and it was cool. Yep. So Grafonicus are quite spoiled when it comes to uh, War Gear. They have three assigned to them they we're going to get on to whether or not they're any good or not we'll have a look i think there's one standout but uh the yeah, first up in the list um so their first legio specific war gear is enhanced or specs arrays uh, uh sorry enhanced or specs relays mm-hmm. um the warhound titan of any titan legion are at their best when ranging ahead of the battle group and those of legio Graphonicus exemplify this more than any other in keeping with their titan legion's traditions of staunch individuality Legio Graphonicus Warhound's princeps tend not to hunt in packs, preferring to strike out alone and bait the enemy at close range. Attack adepts of Griffin IV have worked long and hard to capitalise on this fearless behaviour and have developed enhanced Orspex uh, relays, stop saying arrays, which transfer close range target data back to the rest of the battle group. So any Legio Graphonicus Warhound can be equipped with an enhanced Orspex relay at 10 points. Whenever a Legio Graphonicus Titan makes an attack, it can measure the distance to any targets that are within 12 inches of a friendly Warhound Titan equipped with enhanced Auspex relays before declaring a target. So I guess it's quite newbie-friendly if you're not good at judging ranges, but obviously these aren't Reavers. These are, these are Warhounds. <laughs> so Yeah, so this goes back to what I was saying about you're not taking Warhounds because you're not making use of Lustful Glory. You know, if you're ignoring lust for glory for the most part and doing that funky Venator thing, and you're also newer to the game and you're not sure about guessing ranges, then it's fine. It's 10 point. With other war gear now existing, I think you're really not taking this. Personally, I'm not taking Warhounds to begin with anymore. Now that I don't have to take a Warhound and a Ferox, I used to run a double Ferox of two Reavers and a Warhound each. Because I could I could only replace one reaver, and those warhounds couldn't be in a squadron because they were in different maniples. Um, I still wasn't taking the upgrade on it though because I was charging into combat. I don't need to measure your distance when you're in the combat phase when you're already within two inches. Am I half an inch away or am I an inch away? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is it? Uh, for newer players, this is nice because it helps mitigate that. Like if you're really not sure about guessing ranges. If you are taking Warhounds, but don't take Warhounds. <laughs> I think you, you hit the nail on the head there as well, though. It used to be yeah. that you could quite easily find yourself in a position where you were 30 or 40 points underneath the, you know, your 1750 because, you know, universal war gear upgrades didn't exist. But mm-hmm. now they do. And for 10 points, you could get something like Bastion Shielding. Yeah, which, exactly. Yeah. You know, You're spending that elsewhere these days. You just are. That's fine. It's fine that it exists. I'm glad they didn't just toss it out. If anyone out there was making use of it and they do like it, then nice, okay. 
Cool. Uh, not for me, though. And not someone I recommend for Graphonicus. I don't think we need to really spend much more time on that. I think we're all agree- in agreement yeah, with that, I know, um, good. Yeah. that one. Next. Yeah, on to the next one. So this next piece of war gear, like it often gets overlooked for the other one, which we're going to come on to. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to find out, or, or, or is there ever a, ch- a time that you would really take this? Um, so this one is uh, Gravitas Plating. Mm-hmm. So where a Reaver Titan of Legio Graphonicus is to be fielded in place of a larger battle titan, its hull is often fitted with heavier armor plating to reflect its enhanced frontline role. Um, any Legio Graphonicus Reaver can be upgraded to have Gravitas Plating for 20 points. A titan with this upgrade changes um, the first tier of its armor value for its body from 10 to 12 to 11 to 12, and for its legs from 11 to 12 to 12. In addition, the Titan decreases its default and boosted speed by one inch to a minimum of four and six, respectively. A, re- a Reaver Titan with this upgrade cannot also have motive subreactors upgrade. Um, See, so you're basically mitigating that first pip of your, you know, you would get that first direct hit on the 10 and, um, and 11 it, on the legs. It goes up one. Yeah, but obviously the sacrifice there is, I mean, it only sounds like, it doesn't sound like a lot when it's an inch, but like the difference between six inches and five inches is actually quite a big. In in this game, it can be really yeah. big. Um, but this is also a nerf. So but the previous version just, just used to add a straight plus one to all of the values on body and legs. Which me, which was really good, because then suddenly you were not taking critical hits on fifteens on the body with sixteens, which is a lot better. Sort of mm-hmm. not getting crits on fifteens means you're not suffering them as easily from higher strength weapons like melted cannons, volcano cannons. But also it meant that quake cannons could not cause a critical hit straight off the bat. Um, it's still twenty points, which is not wonderful. Because it is expensive for what it does. Like you're going from the body is the thing that's mainly hit anyway, right? So just going off the body, going from ten to twelve to an eleven to twelve. So the upper part is still there. It's still the same. A twelve is a twelve. That will still do it. It's just removing the ten, which means Vulcan Mega Bolters can't cause direct hits until you've taken damage. You know, strength four weapons like Vulcan Mega Bolters, Apocalypse Launchers, they can't do anything. They can't fish for sixes. For direct hits at the beginning, but that likely doesn't. You're likely not in that position anyway. Generally speaking, you've used that weapon already to strip the shields, and now you're firing with volcano cannons or with uh, plasma blast guns, which strength ten is a minimum twelve anyway. Mm, yeah. You know, for a plasma blast gun, you're already a minimum of doing that direct hit and probably doing a lot more. So the amount that this will actually come up for 20 points and decreasing your movement, I don't think you're really ever taking this. I mean, maybe if you have like a Reaver with like a laser blaster and Volcano Cannon and Apox sitting backish field that you don't need the extra movement on for the other upgrade, then and if you have 20 points there and you've already taken Bastion Shielding on everything, then okay, you stick it on, maybe, at the end of your list. So when you've run out of all the upgrades you can possibly take, then maybe yeah. you can see that. you have a look at this. Um, but I think with War Gear now existing, this is just, you're not going to see it. I think the biggest problem with this particular piece of War Gear is 
as we've already mentioned, there's some pretty good builds that you can make Griffonicus into now with Maniple um, Selection mm-hmm. um, and Titan Selection. And the next piece of war gear synergizes much better in that situation. Yes. Yep. Um, so going on to that, segueing into that seamlessly, um, Motive Subreactors is the final piece of war gear. So although Reaver Titans are not designed to act as scouts, Legio Graphonicus has them in such great numbers that it's sometimes necessary for them to be adapted to the role. The most effective method involves the installation of a secondary plasma reactor at the top of each leg, allowing the Titan to operate at full locomotive capacity without drawing on the main reactor. So any Legio Graphonica Reaver can be upgraded to have motive sub-reactors for 25 points. A Titan with this upgrade can declare power to the locomotives and power to stabilizers without pushing its reactor. However, each time the Titan suffers a critical hit to the legs, roll a d6. On the results of three or less, the the reactor level is increased by one. Reaver Titan with this upgrade cannot also have the gravitas plating. So nine inch um, moving Reavers every turn for no heat. Yeah, all the time. And this is like, this is even better than um, some other versions of this. So like the Rupture Amenable, it allows you to use a free boost once per turn on a Reaver. But if you're on full on a Reaver, you can use it in the movement phase or the combat phase. This is just all the time. It's not once per turn. You know, so your full striding reavers are automatically going 18 inches in a turn. Yeah. Which is terrifying. This is why I like melee weapons on my reavers, because they get there without heat. The downside, in air quotes, the supposed downside, right, other than costing points, um, which is fine, is if you happen to take a critical hit on your legs, then you have a 50% chance to also take a point of heat. Yeah, so. I mean, that is, I mean, it is a minor downside. The one of the things I've learned since play, playing uh, Pisagius is I've been paying a lot more time, paying a lot more attention to the location dice. Sounds mm-hmm. daft, but you know, actually, kind of break down the numbers, and it kind of occurred to me. I don't know how I always miss this. There's two leg locations on that. Yes. So yes. So there is a chance you will take hits to the legs, but to potentially gain one heat if you take a critical when you haven't taken yeah. heat when you've run probably twice. Yep. Seems worth it. The the I'm... other thing I love about this, having played uh, melee legions, legios, which you know, so you're trying to do a charge, you've got to pass an order, mm-hmm. then you've got to pay, the, then you've got to roll the reactor dice. Yep. So you're, you've you've now added two dice rolls, which could both fail. The, the reactor dice is less likely to, but still, that's two dice rolls. You've just completely removed one of those dice rolls out of the game. So now all you're gonna do is pass an order. Yep. And you get your charge off. Yep. And I think sort of, not secretly, but a little bit hidden in this, is on the base of that reactor dice roll, there's no chance of you gaining heat, obviously. But the bigger part is, there's no chance of your machine spirit going, no, we're not moving. And that's the big thing. That's the really big thing. You're not having a reaver that's rolling the awakened machine spirit, which I'm sure is what you were trying to get out there too, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of it, right? So, like, awaken the amount of times I've had, like, a Warhound squadron with other legions I play. Um, One has moved 12 inches up, and the other one goes, I don't feel like moving today, buddy. And you go, well, great. That's wonderful. Now I have one Warhound halfway up the table, and the other one decided to sit on his ass in the deployment zone. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, but on melee reavers, that hurts even more. You know, having that reaver decide yes. to sit backfield and not move in the first turn is terrible. It's really, really bad. Um, so it's 
incredibly good upgrade. Just kind of, I haven't really done, I haven't thought much into this, but like the other thing that um, this, I can see this working well with is the, uh, you could take the long retreat stratagem mm-hmm. and then you can move your normal and boosted speed outside of your front arc. Mm-hmm. So like you're a Corsair Maniple. So if you were taking that as well... It's better, it's better than the Corsair Maniple because it mm-hmm. can't be boosted. Yeah. yeah. And you literally sidestepping nine inches. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and getting getting that fire. If you're, if you're not charging, if you're not using it to um, mm-hmm. move up the field, you can use it. Obviously, it's only going to be the one time when, when you're activating that, um, that mm-hmm. stratagem. But like all of a sudden, like a nine-inch sideways step is, is a big, big really difference. Good. You know, I've actually seen someone use the long retreat to basically not charge, but move into melee range, sidestepping past the building. Yes. Too big, they, they, if they turn normally, they would not have got the base through. Mm-hmm. And it would have been too many turns, you know, to turn, turn, yeah, yeah. you know, to oh, yeah. So, yeah. It's got, it's got a lot of hidden uses. It's a really good strat. Really good strat. Very good, it's a very good strat. I think you probably use it more often with the Extergamus version of the Gephonix mm. Maniple, um, because you're probably not taking as many melee weapons. But as you said, you know, on the right table setup, being able to use that once, not on a charge order, obviously, because you're not in front arc anymore, um, but just moving back a couple inches, then sideways, then forwards again, all nine inches. That's, it's a lot of movement. Yes. It, it could be the difference between um, keeping you in arc but out of arc of the enemy, or it could yeah. be setting up that side-hitting shot. Yeah, or setting yourself up for a charge the next turn, suddenly into a side arc, you know, and making them have questions. So, to ask a slightly controversial question, because it mm. sounds like you like combat with your with your uh, reavers. Mm. Big fan. Have you ever run them as traitor to get the plus two move? No. So I, I, I'm. <laughs> this is a fluff game. I like my fluff games. No, I, no, have that's, my, I, I, I have agree. Legios. I have my traitor legios, and I do run melee weapons on my um, Vulcanum Titans, not more Daxes, because mm. I don't get the extra movement. Obviously, not mm. worth it. But on my Vulcanum Titans, yes. <laughs> and Trader does do combat better, kind of. We'll, um, when we talk about stratagems a little bit more, I'll talk about some things you can do sort of that makes Loyalist combat not better than Trader combat, but it can compete. And that was the right answer just to throw it out there. It's a fluff <laughs> game. Yeah. No, exactly. You don't, you don't do that, in my opinion. It's just... Yeah. I mean, like, there's some, like Tempestus, fine. Runners either. You know, yeah. because there were plenty of each. I mean, obviously, all the loyalists died on Mars. Uh, spoiler alert uh, for anyone who <laughs> finished the game yet. Um. <laughs> well, the book that came out t- 10 years ago? <laughs> Maybe longer like than that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I was saying that when I was looking at Tempestus, I almost did rather than Sagius. And if I'd done Tempestus, they would have been loyalist Tempestus. I wouldn't have, I exactly. wouldn't have swapped yeah. them myself. Which is fine. Like I think there's a couple legios like Tempestus. Uh, actually, probably the only one that you really can run as either, without issue. Okay, so that about covers all of the traits in the war gear. But um, what Griffonicus do have is three pretty decent um, personal traits. This is quite uncommon, really, because normally, normally they're the weaker parts of the um, the, the legios rules. Sometimes it's better to um, just take one of the one of the six out of the books. Um, but here, actually, we've got three pretty strong contenders, actually, for something that you would take possibly even in every game. Um, the first one we have 
uh, is Reckless Maverick. So you could always tell when Urano was going to do something foolish because she sat straight and spoke with a clip with clipped precision, as though she thought it improper to slouch when giving the order that would likely doom us all. Um, once per battle, the Princeps Senioris Titan can be activated a second time in a movement phase or combat phase. After doing so, advance the Titan's reactor th- level three times. So we've already spoken about, like, if you're running a close combat Reaver, you're probably not pushing much in the way of your reactor heat. Um, mm-hmm. You're probably just going... You, you, if you've taken it with that motive sub-reactors, you aren't pushing to move. Mm-hmm. You've probably not done a lot of shooting because you're full-strided. Mm-hmm. And what this effectively would allow you to do is, let me just do the maths here quickly. You move nine, then you can move nine, then you can move nine again. Or charge, charge, hit. Yep. Uh, Generally, this is a second turn thing for me, because I I take this a lot. When I was running the double Ferox with two Reavers and a Warhound each, I was taking this twice, which is hysterically... Awful, <laughs> so nasty to do it. Um, so it feels a little bit nicer to be able to just take a bunch of reavers once and just take it once, right? But uh, that was really funny. If, if Matt is listening, he played against that list a couple of times and he felt the double reckless maverick turn two charge a couple of times and it was debilitating to his legio. Like, not just uh, avoid blackout, <laughs> like, uh, you, you, you think he would have figured it out the second time. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, take take it next time. Yeah, if ever there is a time to play Vox Blackout, it is. It's it's then. then. Yeah, but they just do it the next turn instead anyway. That's the True. thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so with this, then obviously you're full striding with your princeps. You've got your chosen target, and you do that after you deploy also. So you pick the one that's closest to it of a decent size that you want to kill, right? Not a warhound, probably. So you go full stride first turn. It's a two plus on the order because you're the princeps and yours. Uh, so you probably got that off. That's 18 inches in the first turn. Then the second turn, as long as you're within 18 inches of them, you go on a charge order. Because it doesn't matter if the first move got you within 2 inches of the enemy. If it did, wonderful. You get to do it twice. <laughs> you get to hit twice. Um, but if it didn't, then you just get to activate a second time. It is a separate activation, so things do get to move away from you in the meantime. You know, It's not a straight back-to-back. Um, so things get, like first fires can go off between, so you have to be a little bit careful about that if you've lost your shields already. But otherwise, you can go nine inches. Something else activates of the opponents, and you get to go nine inches again. You take three points of heat. As you said, you haven't pushed your reactor at all for movement. So a reaver goes from a green to the second point of yellow, not even an orange, on the reactor, and it gets to hit something. From yeah. really far away, thirty-six inches. So it's a thirty-six inch threat range from turn one to turn two. Doing that, which yeah. is nuts. That's so fast. This was always good. Even even like um, it was one of the best things about it. Even in the last iteration um, mm-hmm. of of Griffonicus. But you know, even just using him back in the day when it was just you could only upgrade one. Like you could almost just use him as kind of like this massive distraction reaver to just run in somebody's face and then get everything else to to sort of mop up afterwards. But now, like now he's being supported. Okay, you've you've not you've not got um uh the other guys unless you're running two ferox maniples, but you've not got um the other guys kind of bouncing around the place doing two activations in one turn. But 
the chances are that he's at least got some mates, which is um, up close and personal as well. So your opponent's got to shoot at all of them. He can't just try and focus down that one that's coming that's, at him. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's very good. It's it's a little bit trickier, sort of, if you're newer to the game, because you have to kind of time it right. You, know, you have to get into the right movement. You have to time it right when you do it. Um, you have to be really careful about not pushing for shield sharing too much the turn before, which means you might sort of lose your shields a little bit quicker. Um, because you want to keep your reactor nice and cool, but it's nasty when it does go off when you do use it. It's really good. Then the other ones aren't even bad either. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So just to round them out, I mean, we could just end it there, to be honest, and just say yeah. just take just, just take, take reckless ma- maverick every time. But yeah, master duelist. As far as I saw, Raal only ever did four things: eat, sleep, command Invictus Nova, and fight in those dueling fight in the dueling halls. His instincts were honed towards close-range fighting whenever he was using a chainsword or a la- whether he was using a chainsword or a laser destructor. Failed hit rolls for the Princeps Senorus t- Titan can be re-rolled when it is making attacks against a target which is within eight inches. So this is again very good with the Ferox. Yes, um, I like it even just on the Warlord anyway. So I'm within eight inches, and obviously you're not sort of using the um, uh, shoulder weapons against smaller targets but it means that your arm weapons are actually hitting really, really effectively still. Like, you're not having to worry about that so much. This is also really nice because then you get the full suite of rerolls when you're close, obviously, but not just against your target. So sort of, you can use it on the Reaver or the Warlord after they've already killed their target, and they're halfway down the table, and keep getting rerolls, and keep being really, really effective against other targets too. Mm. And it's very good for that. I sort of go back and forth between Reckless Maverick being really, really funny for <laughs> punching things from really far away. But then also Master Duelist, just to get the full suite of rerolls. Within 8 inches, which is a pretty sizable amount in this game, I think. Mm-hmm. So once you're mid-table with a Reaver especially, things are going to be generally within 8... I mean, I, we usually say that this game is played around 12-inch range. 12, 12 to 20 inches is sort of where this game is played most. That's where things are in range most of the time. That's where Titans want to be, for the most part. And even when Titans don't want to be there, it's what Titans end up <laughs> anyway. Um, so it's it's a very good trait. And then just to round out the Princeps abilities, then the last one, Hunter without equal. Elion was a slight man with a, with an unusually reserved demeanor for a Princeps, but when he sighted his prey, it was as though he became a beast uncaged. Roaring orders, screaming for blood. His rages were as terrifying as anything I've ever seen. The Princeps Signorus's Titan may re-roll any failed hit rolls, not just hit rolls of one, when the Princeps Signorus Titan attacks a target that it has claimed. So this goes with the lust for glory mm-hmm. um, trait. I mean, not, not bad. It's, it's still yeah. pretty good. It, it's solid. Like It's great because they have three good Princeps Signorus traits. You know, you don't yeah. really consider the rulebook ones often when you have these to choose from. Uh, get me honest, I've, I've not actually read the traits too much, because I got to the point where I almost started dismiss, dismissing the traits for a lot of Legios, because mm. they're not great. But actually, there's Often. all three of those are worth, <laughs> worth thinking about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you were doing the dice roll for uh, Princeps Senioris thing, you'd just take this table, and you probably yeah. wouldn't be unhappy with no. any, any of those selections. Exactly, you definitely. I mean, you might be unhappy with Master Duelist if you have like a bellicosa warlord 
me going. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're probably also not taking that to you're not tag like I said earlier, you're not really taking a backfield warlord anyway. You you're wanting to get up close. So it's not bad. None of these are bad. No. That's it as regards to the the rules. I I think that, that they are a, a pretty good legion now. Pr- probably yeah. in my opinion, one of one of the stronger ones for loyalists. They're definitely pretty good. I mean, so, so I, w- I want to talk about something real quick, sort of on the note of maniples, going back to the extergamus, because um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Neil, again, if you're listening, hello, I'm going to bring this up, <laughs> was uh, not complaining to me about how strong he thinks the extergamus is with reavers, because they're much lower points cost than warlords, so you you know, in that regard, but also suddenly getting a mana pool that is much more mobile. Sort of an extergamus not very mobile, depending on the mission that you're playing. You know, it can't really go grab objectives very effectively. It's not very good at doing that. But reavers in it suddenly can still do that while still benefiting from the plus two strength. Um yes, I think that seems incredibly strong, sort of at face value, but they're not the only Legio that can do it. If they were the only ones that could do it, I think it'd be maybe more of a problem in that regard. But I think with Legio Venator being able to swap them into, Legio Fortidus being able to swap a single one in, um, still very good. You know, there's uh, other ways of getting different Titans into the Maniple and still be very, very strong. Uh, so I think it's probably fine. And Legio would do it better, I think, too. <laughs> Notice you didn't use any man of any legions that can swap warhounds into that that mana pool because uh, that would be suicide. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you're not <laughs> It's like, yeah, let me take two heat on my Vulcan Mega Bolter and go immediately into orange. That'd be it's a wonderful idea. Um, I'm just in the warhound with the plasma blast gun, going, yeah, plus strength twelve. I've rolled double one to hit. Oh no! And you're on the red line already. Oh, oh yeah. buddy. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Um, but it is really good. But we, we, I mean, we talked about maniples a lot already. So uh, can I talk about strats now? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, circling back on how they can make melee effective. So trader legios, I think a lot of people know, can make mm-hmm. melee really, really effective with stratagems that are specific to traders, like Warlust, which gives you plus two-inch boosted move on for a turn. You know, getting Reavers charging 11 inches, or just full striding first turn, 11 inches each time, really, really good, obviously. Uh, loyalists don't get that. I'm talking about these assuming Grafonic is always going to be Loyalists, <laughs> so they don't get that. And Bloodthirst, another trader-only strat, which gives you plus two to hit within two inches of the enemy for one stratagem point. Very, very good. You know, just making your call shots with your other guns, hitting on like twos and threes. Very, very powerful stuff. But... Uh, loyalists get great, great crusade titans. I believe it's called. Yeah, quite. So, which is quite a good strat. It's a very good strat. Yeah, it's. Mm. I overlooked it at first. I saw it as a two-point stratagem that was used once per game. That back at the time of looking at it, a one-point vox blackout made null and void. Now that vox blackout has three points, it's fine. I think you're taking this more often, but you get. It reads as you count as having moved six inches further than you did for your charge, which reads just as you get plus two attacks on your charge, which is really, 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 really good. Because as long as you've gone at least three inches, that's a power fist hitting at five attacks. Yeah. You know, that's a chain fist hitting at six attacks. 
if you've gone further, then obviously you get even more attacks. So that's really, really powerful from that regard. But you also get plus two to your orders for rolling on charge. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, sort of one thing that sucks about Titan Melee is having to get the order off to begin with. And these are not Axiom maniples. You could do it as an Axiom if you wanted to. Sort of an all-reaver Axiom. Yeah. If you wanted to, just if one fails, you can still try on the next one, which is something that I've been thinking about as well. Or you could do it as a four reaver precept maniple, even. So you get that charge order off on a two plus anyway on the turn you want to do it. So there are other things you can do for it. But if you wanted to do this in the Ferox, then you're taking Great Crusade Titans for the plus two to your command checks. So you're doing the two pluses then before any sort of negative modifiers from any sort of like Stygian Veils or any other sort of stratagems or anything else is happening, which is really, really powerful. But also an Iron Resolve goes hand in hand with that, which you can buy multiple times. So I buy it minimum once any game I'm playing with a Loyalist Legio. So it is a Loyalist-only um, stratagem, and it's once per game. But it's after you've already failed an order, you play it and you go, never mind, I passed it instead which is really, really good for one point, and hmm. I can save you. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether that's needing to get a charge off, or whether that's first turn needing to get a full stride off for the first one, you know? It's nothing worse than wanting to do your first order and your first turn rolling a one. Or later in the game, needing an emergency repair not to blow exactly. up, or, yeah. When you're building your entire force around a, a very specific tactic, like, you know, getting yeah. into combat, something like that, you know, you are ensuring that it happens. That's strong. Exactly, yeah. You're just going one step further to making sure it actually goes off. Because Titan Melee, I think, is like the highest risk-reward thing in this game. Like, you're risking a lot trying to get there. You're trying to cross the battlefield without actually shooting anything back at them for the first turn, probably, by being on full stride. Which means they don't have any weapon systems down, they're not pushing their reactors for shield saves, which means their reactors are a lot healthier for the next turn as well. You're giving up a lot to sort of get into melee range. But once you hit, you can really hit like a freight train, as yeah. you found out in our game on Tabletop Simulator last night, even. Um, yeah. not, not, not even with dice rolls going badly in the second Warlord dying from the first one falling, but just a Reaver making a successful charge and going into an untouched Warlord and just removing it. Yeah. At that point, yeah. he had taken nothing. He was yeah, com no completely undamaged, and he was just taken straight off the table. Yeah, completely untouched, but Great Crusade Titans, uh, as a strat was played, so I got it off on a 2+, it was a Chain Fist, it wasn't even my chosen target, but I was able to get in there with like 7 attacks, hitting on 2s, yeah. and when you're getting 7 attacks in a Ferox as well, so counting as strength 9, and 6s with rending, um, become critical hits then against Warlord's bodies, because you're getting at least the 1 on the D3, it's very, very good. It's and almost as good as in the casters. Yeah, almost. You have to get in the first <laughs> round. You can't do it from like 36 inches across the table. Or 48, yeah. or whatever it happens to be. Um, so those two, uh, Great Crusade Titans and Iron Resolve, if you're building for mm. combat. Iron Resolve anyway, like at least yeah. one just to have it. And going back and uh, Blind Barrage is really, really good on your full stride for your first turn for your Princeps. Just because placement concealment barrage, you're not really going to be able to place that somewhere where Reaver's going to have moved 18 inches and still be fully effective. But a blind barrage, you play it on yourself. 
So you minus yeah. two to be hit because you're not shooting. It doesn't matter that you're minus two to hit other things. You're not shooting any guns. It's one of the, one of the other reasons I tend to prefer. I well, quite often I run blind barrage over concealment barrage because that mm. versatility of you know it works both ways and it, it's where it yeah. needs to be every whenever you, after you played it. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. If you are taking like a warlord within the list, um, I like taking experimental locomotors a lot. I think it's a really popular strategy too because it's cheap. It's one point. But you get to always use a boost movement without having to push, which I used to take on like one of the other Reavers when he couldn't have the upgrade multiple times. But now you just take it on the Warlord in your list, so that your Warlord's actually moving six inches a turn. It synergizes as well, doesn't it, with the Reavers then, because it's not being left quite so behind, and it's got exactly. that little bit of extra maneuverability. Exactly, without having to push the reactor. Now you do have to in each end phase you have to roll a d10, and on a one your legs blow up and you take it you take a bit <laughs> devastating to your legs and you lose the upgrade for the rest of the game. So there is a chance that it might stop working for you. I have had that happen in the first turn, and you go great. So I'm so glad I spent a strat point on this. That was really worth it, guys. Great, good job. Um, but it's not likely. So just before we close out the show tonight, is there any any notable mentions that you want to make just to kind of round out this section? Anything that we haven't covered, which... Um... I think that's pretty much it with Grafonicus. I mean, they're pretty straightforward. Take Reavers, take Motive Subreactors, take Iron Resolve, take Melee Weapons, win games. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one, one question I've got for people is, uh, so obviously if all your Reavers have got close combat weapons. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Vulcan Megabolt is on top. Generally. Generally. What's kind of the mix of the other of the gun weapon then? I think a healthy mix. I mean, uh, I run things on tabletop simulator when I'm playing virtually, as I've painted them in person, just because I like playing with things that I've done mm. in person. So, um, one of my reavers, and because I'm lazy, uh, I magnetize all my guns at the elbow joint, so not up at the shoulder. So I actually glue my melee, my melee weapons in place. <laughs> so I have my. Gun- I have my guns magnetized, yeah. but my melee weapons are all glued. So I've got four Reavers in total for my Graphonica so far. Um, one was like an original project with all glued guns and stuck with like Apox, Laser, and Volcano, which is okay. It's not a bad loadout. It's not great, though. But the other three then have a melee weapon, and then the other two guns are magnetized, the carapace and thing. Um, but what I have built for them is I have one turbo laser destructor. So one has that up top, which actually isn't bad either. So, you know, in the Ferox, once you're getting close, four up called shots of strength eight, not a bad thing after you've punched something. Mm. It's not a bad weapon to have. Um, but then, like, one's got a Gatling, one's got a laser, one's got a Melter. I like Melters a lot just because they can kill knights. And that is one of the biggest problems melee titans have is roadblock knights. When they're getting in the way, because you can't step over knights, you have to deal with them first. So um, playing against Graphonicus, you want to be taking <laughs> some knights probably. If you have knights, uh, get them in the way. Make sure they're in. They're going to die to the re- to the reaver charging, but it's better that that reaver's charging your banner of two lancers than it is taking out your reaver or your warlord or your warlord exactly <laughs> in one swift blow. Um, it mitigates that massively. So having the melted cans just to help deal with that is really, really good. Yeah, that's cool. Um, if I say about, because I actually had the logic with my mortars at one point, I was going to do 10 reavers, so I could have five of close combat weapons and five of two arms nice. for guns. Just so I had every option. Yeah. Then, I re- well, then, then it went to 11, because I did one with two close combat weapons. Nice. <laughs> and, and then I realized that how mad that all sounded. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't and I wasn't Lee Marshall and I couldn't paint them all you know in a day, <laughs> right? Uh, 
you joke. I mean, we've, we've been joking about it sort of um, within the Goonhammer Discord. I've actually, each one of my Graphonicus Titans I've painted in a day from like sprue to finish because the power of spray paint is one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you build the skeleton, you spray it silver, it's, you know, half done already. And the armor plate's just gray and yellow. Um, Army Painter, bright yellow paint has been a godsend. But yeah, it's not bad. But yeah, that's, that's Graphonicus. That's them. That's what they do. And they're really fun. Zach, thank you so much for coming and talking to us tonight and uh, passing on your, your knowledge and experience. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah. Thank, thank you, Zach. It's been really good. So yeah, that, that was Graphonicus. Um, obviously, if you've got any questions, um, feel free to um, uh, sling them over. Message Zach, do not talk to us. <laughs> to be honest. If you've got any, if you want to see some of, um, if you're new to the game or if you haven't visited the Goonhammer websites, a website, um, do go over there. It is a treasure trove of um, tactics, strategy, uh, and general insight into the game. It's got me through many a boring night shift. <laughs> if you go onto the site, the uh, article, the series is called Warlord Wednesdays under the columns. That's the easiest way to get to it. If you just hit columns, Warlord Wednesdays, then you get a nice big page that shows you all the different things we've done because it's it's a lot already. And at the time that we um, we put this podcast out, everything which has been released has been reviewed and has its own section. So any um, Legio which you're thinking of doing there will be a section on the um, Goonhammer website which deals with uh, how to paint them, um, how to play them, suggestions for maniple setups. It's it's fantastic. So do do go over there and uh, and and check them out. If you have any questions for us, um, then you can contact us on the usual channels, so maximalfire at gmail.com. Um, and you can also drop us a line on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash maximal fire or maximal dot fire is our instagram handle so yeah um one last thing i guess before we go um if you do want to support the show if you do like um, what you're hearing do check out our patreon page our tiers start from as little as one pound a month that's slightly more expensive than a first class stamp so uh you know bargain uh, for the amount of content <laughs> that uh, we have provided tonight so we say but if you have enjoyed it, please do consider supporting us. It will help us to continue to develop the podcast. It will help us to go on and do bigger and better things and, uh, and, and develop the future of the pod. But with that, the only thing that I've got left to say tonight is uh, remember to always go big, go loud, and go maximal. Go maximal.